Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's that time, Sunday evening. You've got yourself a cup of tea if you're in the UK or if you're where one of our guests is and maybe you'll get, I don't know what time it is there. I was about to say getting ready for a night out, but it's actually afternoon, right? It's 11.15 a.m. Hey, listen, if you're getting ready for a night out at 11.15 a.m., please go see a therapist. (laughs) You got problems. Um, More importantly, we're going to be talking about Manchester United against Liverpool at Anfield, which I know people are going to be sat there going, this is the insight. We're going to be talking about tactics. This game was not tactical at all. I think all three of us are in agreement it was not. Uh, but we are going to find some tactical nuances because that is basically what we do. Uh, if you enjoy the insight, then make sure uh, you tune in every week. Make sure you follow the pod. Follow the guys. We've got CK with us uh, at State of Footy. Uh, and we've got Pythagoras, the- Pythagoras in Boots. I'm going to say Pythagoras theorem. Pythagoras in Boots Rice with us as well. Uh, there's no Raj. He's unwell. Uh, it's not because Liverpool didn't perform the way he wanted to. He actually told me five days ago he's been vomiting, so get well soon. Um, Bryce, we'll start with you. What are your overall thoughts on this game from a tactical standpoint? I think, first of all, I just want to say, I think it's the worst game of football I've seen this season. Um, this season, brother, this this century. Yeah. This is I mean, horrible. This, the state of the Premier League at the moment, I just think is so, so poor. And I've got a lot of Arsenal fans attacking me at the moment because, oh, you're demeaning the value of our league win if we win the league. I don't think it takes anything away from Arsenal winning the league, but in terms of where their status will be as a team in the pantheon of EPL winners, let's just say if Arsenal did win the league, of course it does affect that. But in terms of you've won the league, you've won the league. Anyway, back to the game itself. Um, oh, geez, it was just an absolute car crash to watch, really. I think Liverpool... They had possession control, but they didn't have narrative control. It just seemed like the midfield was just itty-bitty. There was no real intelligence within the passing movements. I think Salah was just running into cul-de-sacs. The one thing that stood out to me with Salah was he always has poor games against Luke Shaw. I think Luke Shaw 
dominated him for the most part of the game. And then they tried to move Salah away from the wing, play him up front. But his link-up play, his hold-up play, his IQ today was quite poor. He was doing a lot of like first-time passes, but doing them into just straight into Varane's feet. Like He wasn't looking where Nunes is and there was no composure in Liverpool's possession play. And then as for United, you're playing a transitional counter-attacking game, but then you've got two wingers who can't really beat a man, don't really have that ability to stretch the play. Ideally, when you're playing that type of system, you do need a Rashford type of footballer. But we had someone like Anthony who he was just running in circles, really. Um, and then Hoyland just was very invisible for large passages of the game. He really looks like his gas has emptied out already um, for some reason. But yeah, I let CK jump in. But for me, just an absolute horrid game, to be honest. Yeah, I think that was a that was a nice overview. I think if you know we didn't have any emotional attachment to the game, we would have been maybe have turned the TV off <laughs> half time or something. But yeah, I think it was very clear. I don't think it was a surprise to anyone how United set up very low four four two. Um, bring Varane back into the team, who I thought had a monstrous box defending performance. Um, several really important clearances, several really important, um, you know, headers out of the box. Um, and yeah, we just, as, as my other co-host said, Liverpool had possession, but really no intent with that possession. And I think they got, you know, scoring all those long shots last time out at Anfield, I think got them a little bit trigger happy, um, in terms of taking, you know, when Gakpo came on taking a couple of those shots that I think probably could have been better served going out to Joe Gomez or just you had better options and kind of let United off the hook a little bit when we were, you know, under the cuff. But I think United did executed the game plan as well as we could have. Um, you know, I think Liverpool maybe thought they were just going to, you know, use that Anfield juice and kind of overwhelm us in that first five to 10 minutes when the crowd was really into the game. And I think we did a good job of like just withholding that storm and then you know from 15 to like maybe 80 or so the crowd was pretty dead in terms of like I expected a lot more you know just like juice and 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 you know the crowd really getting into the game but I think United did a good job kind of just like staying even keeled and I mean we had two pretty good chances um, to put the ball in the back of the net. We could say you had the we had the best chances of the game. Um, I know that that Trent shot was pretty close, but yeah, I think just the game plan and the setup from United was executed well, and then from Liverpool perspective, probably a little bit too trigger happy and just not enough like intricate ideas um, to break down that low four four two that United had. Um, CK, if I can just jump in, I think Liverpool's shape didn't help them as well. If we're just looking at it from a pure tactical perspective, Liverpool played a 2-5-3, right? And most teams, if you're looking to attack and be effective in your attacking shape, it should be a 2-3-5. And the difference between the two is if you've got 2-5-3, basically your midfield is packed out, but in terms of the attacking final third, you've just got three players in your final third instead of stretching across the final with five players and the reason why they couldn't do that is Trent is not overlapping as much as he used to in previous seasons he's he's basically become Sorry. almost like a hybrid between a centre mid and a, and a right back and he was coming into the middle where there was no real space and he's playing passes in between the lines but there's no quality in that sort of area just outside the the centre backs of United so we're in front of Iran and stuff so the ball wasn't sticking there wasn't any quality through balls happening so what they really needed was Trent out wide, putting in crosses in. That wasn't happening. Then on the other side, 
you got Shimikas who was crossing from quite deep. So he wasn't really hugging the the touchline and almost near the corner flag. He was crossing from quite deep areas and Varane and them like were just eating it up. So on both flanks, there was no real quality coming in from Liverpool. And you compare that back in the day when they would have had like a prime Mo Salah, Trent, Mane, Robbo on both sides of the flanks. There's none of that now with this Liverpool team. The, the quality just isn't there in those wide areas. And you're trying to break down a low block of United. United were just finding it quite easy because Varane, in the last two games he's played, he's been immense, I think, since he's come back from that little fallout with Ten Hag. And again, it kind of comes back to Ten Hag's flawed judgment, the way he's falling out with certain players. And then this player comes back and he's been your best centre-back in the past two and, games. And he's playing and he's playing uh, Evans at right centre-back and Varane at left centre-back. The exact thing that yeah, he right. didn't want to do to begin yeah. with. But it's, it's very confusing. But I definitely agree. I'm interested to hear from... New bid though, like, had this performance been coming a little bit? Because I feel like with Liverpool, like, yes, you've been getting these late. When I think the stat showed up like fourteen goals in the last fifteen minutes of games, um, most in the Premier League. So has that been kind of papering over the cracks a little bit? Had this sort of like lack of, you know, intent or kind of just like a, a kind of a dud of a performance been coming a little bit? So you get, I mean. Uh... I'm the host, but I feel like you're coming for my job now. <laughs> um, I think it's a very like valid question and also like nice for me to get involved in the conversation because I always say this, like this ta- tactical chat, I might be the, one of the lower guys. I'm like the maybe the Evans. They they don't want to hear from me, but when they do, they're like, hey, he's not too bad, you know, he's not too bad. Um, I think um, I've, I've tweeted this multiple times that, it's quite reflective of the Premier League and this is something we're definitely going to do in a, in a separate insight. But Liverpool being top last week probably showed you where the Premier League was at because this is not a team that's ready. Um, and Endo, I feel really sorry for him because people are going to rip into him. I think he's actually playing to the maximum of his But I've always felt the teams, especially in the recent years, probably have the best sixes playing for them. Liverpool have Fabinho, City have Rodri, Arsenal now have Rice. I think the six sort of completes what you're trying to do as a team. Uh, Liverpool try and suffocate teams and they can't suffocate them anymore because they don't have a six that allows them to do that. It doesn't like recycle possession quick enough. So in terms of this performance, the performance I think has been, this was a performance against Fulham, to be completely honest. There was just four worldies from outside the box and they tried that again today. And like I, I actually tweeted saying, I'm actually getting really pissed off at the fact that everyone's shooting. Like Joe, Joe Gomez has never scored a senior goal. He had three shots from goal. Like from, like someone make that make sense. So I tweeted tweeted out saying this must have been instructed, and someone's actually just tweeted me something really interesting. Um, someone who's at the game tweeted before the game saying a lot of long range strikes from the center in the warm up from all the players, including defenders. So it must have been something that Liverpool said. Testo Nana. Testo Nana. Uh, there's also another tweet here, which uh, this guy's insight on football is very interesting. Uh, he said, it may well be instructed to a degree, but Liverpool's game facilitates higher value long shots. Their disruptive high tempo play often means high quality su- shooting scenarios open up in transition or moments of chaos against a disorganized block, goalkeeper and defenders can't prepare. Now, that is exactly what Liverpool have done this season. However, they, there was no brilliant pressing today. Um, and they didn't create those situations. So for a lot of the time, they were just shooting because they were getting frustrated, I think, anyway. Um, and it sort of speaks to your point, CK, where I think actually, like the fans came into this game and Liverpool players came into this game, and we're going to win 6-0. And like from the first minute, I think 
Kanate had a shot from 20 yards out. And I was like, we're playing like it's 5-0. Like, what is going on? Um, we always touch on the psychological side of the game because I, th- I also think that's a part of the tactical side of the game. And you said, like, for 60 minutes it was silent. I think commentary in the UK were also saying it was completely dead. Um, do you feel like that was because of how United played? Because I... I'm not sure if that was the case. I think it's two things. I think when we speak about Liverpool as an era, Klopp's era, I think the fans have won everything that's needed to be won. You know, they've won the Premier League, they've won the Champions League. And a lot of people talk about emotional exhaustion when they talk about a squad of players, right? And a manager. But same thing can happen with the fans. And if you recall that Roy Keane called United fans the prawn sandwich brigade because they were winning so much, they were almost just turning up wanting to see wins. And I almost think that the spirit of Liverpool fans has almost taken a, a dip. Like it's almost like it feels like an end of an era and the fans are just there, just there just to watch this team kind of play out its last days. I mean, this is a team that's top of the table. You win against United, you stay top of the table and you're going for the title. I never got that feeling at all from that Anfield crowd. Like even that second half, like, okay, you must have, you might have had a bad first half. But guys, if you put in a performance second half and you get that three points, you're in a title race. And I never at any stage during that game did I get that vibe from the Anfield crowd that they gave a shit about that. Bit of complacency, maybe. Yeah, complacency a little bit. Yeah, that that definitely happened today. Like I, I think Liverpool's performance, obviously, as I say, was bad against Fulham. But the the tiny details in possession were horrific. And that that for me, like I was saying to my 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 brother, who I was watching it with. When I when you play like your own level, so when I play like five aside or seven aside with my friends, and um, my brother picks the teams, if my team has five shit players, my level drops to their level. <laughs> I start doing things like I'm like, why am I playing like you? Like I hate you for being like this, and now you're doing it to me. <laughs> um, it's, a to- it's a toxic relationship, uh, which <laughs> you see here in the last episode. You were speaking about toxic relationships. Uh, on the point of Manchester United, you um, you touched on the compact four four two. I obviously want a little more insight on what you thought was good about that four four two today, because um, ultimately, like I think this is a great result for United, whichever way you look at it. For sure, any anyone before the whistle blew, if you said we're going to take a point, would have ripped your hand off immediately. Post game, it's like obviously I'm still. We got, a, we got a point at Anfield. You guys put up 34 shots on us. We came away with 0-0. Like, we, we'll take a point. But just in terms of the chances we, that we had, um, you know, obviously the Hoyland chance and a few others later, you know, it's, it's tough to say. I think with Bruno and the team, it probably – I think we would have had a better chance, but we also wouldn't have been set up the way we did. Um, and I think – kind of segueing into Scott McTominay. It's just the stark difference. It's like literally going from it's night and day, Bruno picking the ball up in in final action situations and Scott McTominay. Um, you know, in that first half he picked up the ball in the half turn and literally like kicked his own foot and missed the ball <laughs> and lost it on a on a potential counterattack opportunity. Um and yeah, Scott McTominay has just been an absolute enigma in this team ever since that Brentford game. And um, yeah, I just am not sure. You know, he was the captain today. 
and I'm not sure how he and you could you could honestly say he was the worst player on the pitch. So <laughs> and he has been for quite you could say that about a couple games, even games that he scored in um, in terms of his overall performance as like a midfielder. Like I'm not sure yeah. what his and it's not even like I know this is supposed to be a tactical podcast, but it's like it doesn't take a tactician to see Scott McTominay can't really do many of the jobs of a midfielder, especially, um, you know, in that attacking role. Um, so one of the reasons why I think he struggled in this attacking midfield position that you know a lot of United fans have been calling for really is that the reason why he is able to score goals is that he's someone who when he ghosts into a box he's quite effective like when he makes those late unnoticed runs into the box he's a handful he's like he's like a Fellaini inside the box when he when he makes that run into the box but as an attacking midfielder now that Bruno's out of the team you're basically now the fulcrum of United's midfield you're the main man now in 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 that front triangle bit and now the other team is literally looking to you as a reference point to receive the ball. And he's not able to receive the ball on the half turn. So suddenly, instead of ghosting into the box, he's now got a big red light on him saying, hey, I'm McTominay, I'm, I'm receiving the ball as a number 10. And he's so easy to deal with because he's too clumsy with his footwork. He, he was constantly not looking over his shoulder when he's receiving the ball. And now when he's making those runs into the box, there's no disguise to the runs because it's literally just Hoyland and him and he's seen as that main secondary running threat into the box. So everything about his game, that disguise element that's led to the goals recently, wasn't there. And that basically removes the only viable attribute he's got as a midfielder. Because in terms of his general central midfield play, it's very poor. It's very mediocre. Like he can't, let's just say from a defensive perspective, yeah, he can put in a slide tackle now and again, but his positional knowledge of the game is really poor. Positional discipline is really poor. And then in terms of his build-up phase, press resistant, that's poor. So every little facet you've got of a central midfielder, he's poor at it, apart from this ability to ghost into the box and score goals. And that was taken away from him today by playing as United's main number 10 type player. So yeah, He benefits yeah. He benefits really off the, the gravity of other players like Hoyland pulling players away or Bruno pulling players away and then him able to, he's able to get into that space. But he was the as as it was said he was really the one that was you know had the responsibility of of making something happen and he's just not of the ability to make anything happen at himself he needs uh external factors for him to like get into space yeah um CK, just very quickly you mentioned a point about bruno and mctominay one of the reasons you praise United as the compact 442, you also said if Bruno played, we're probably not playing a compact 442. What do you do with that? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That conundrum. I mean, for me, it's quite simple. You just take McTominay out and you play Bruno and Amrabat with Bruno, or Kobe and Amrabat with Bruno. Um, because the way that we've been set up with Bruno, I just, Bruno and McTominay is just, it leads to this game state of chaos, constant chaos. Um, we've seen it since we've came back into the team together that, you know, playing Bruno, obviously a little bit more reserved and McTominay higher in this kind of shadow striker, second ball winner, ghost into the box sort of role. It just leaves us so exposed, and you're and you're basically saying Amrabat, who is already, as we've seen today, one of the stiffest players I've ever seen. One of the, you know, I think his athleticism is definitely something why that. He, why does he run with his knees so high up? And he's right, like, it looks like he's running in jeans. Abilities like so. Oh my god! Like, it's like he has his phone in his pocket when he's running, like he doesn't want to drop it or something. It's crazy. Um, and you're basically and his wallet as well. His wallet and his yeah, wallet. he's like holding, looking for his keys and stuff. While he's running, he's like, Jesus Christ, man! Oh. But yeah, so you're basically just leaving these massive gaps um, in midfield um, with McTominay just darting into the box because that's what that's the only reason he's on the pitch, right? Is to take those chances. Um, and then Bruno is obviously a very attacking minded player. He's going to get up the pitch and you're leaving these massive gaps when we either give the ball away or don't convert on, on one of those, those chances or one of those, you know, moments where players are darting into the box and you're saying, you know, to your lone six, cover the whole field. And you're, all, but you're also telling, you know, we've seen Amrabat by nature is a, is a hunter of the ball. He's going to, when he sees something, he's going to, He's going to take the, like, he can't, it's almost like he can't hold himself back. Um, and so even when he, he's even pressing up further and then you just, it's just gaps and gaps and gaps and gaps, um, which we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks. So for me, it just needs balance. Um, and McTominay is basically providing nothing when he doesn't score. So um, I think Kobe, Emmerbot and, and Bruno is the way to go um, going forward. Um, right. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think we were going to spend most of this talking about Scott McTominay, but then again, it is you two, and I probably should have predicted that. <laughs> um, <laughs> get the balance in here. <laughs> um, there's one topic that I think we need to very quickly discuss. Um, it's not one that I want to discuss personally, but CK came in here before recording. He said, "I really want to talk about this one topic." So I'm going to give you the floor. And I'm going to pretend like this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know, certain certain men said, you know, you're too young. You can't go to Anfield. You're going to get eaten up. Hold that. No, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> uh, Kobe, no, I, I just think Kobe Maynou today to come into Anfield, 18 years old, and and do what he did. He didn't set the world on fire. by. I'm not saying it was a master class by any, um, you know, any stretch. But I, th- I just thought he was very professional, very tidy, very, you know, he had that, that amazing ball to, to, to Nacho who, you know, cr- credit to Trent for getting back. But I thought that was the one, if, if he, 
If that would have, if he would have scored there, you would have been in big trouble, buddy. I would have deleted huge trouble, <laughs> huge trouble. No, but I thought I thought he was even picking up the a yellow card early in the game and then just staying even keeled and staying professional throughout the whole, you know, the biggest match in, in English football. I just think, you know, at 18 years of age, I just, I just think the sky's the limit for this kid. And, you know, I was just impressed by him. Again, his ability to just keep things simple and just like the confidence and, and you know, good type of arrogance that he plays with. I'm just a massive fan. Fab. Great. Great. Oh, sorry, Rice. You want to, yeah. you want to chime in as well? Yeah, no, I want to jump into your defense really. So um, I'll be like your hired bodyguard for this bit. I just think, <laughs> I just think I totally understand your point of view in terms of, um, you know, youngsters. Yeah. Some can play every game. Some can't, but you've got to realize even like a Cesc Fabregas, like he started at 16, but he burnt out quite early in terms of where his level was potentially headed from playing too many games almost as a youngster. You've seen with Gavi and Pedri at Barca, they've really struggled recently because of being overplayed as youngsters. You've also got to realise Lewis Miley coming into a, a Newcastle club and squad culture, which is very well formed. And then he's coming in with quite a precise role of where to play. And he's got a lot of players who can stand up and lift that team. And he's like a complementary element to it that's the perfect sort of scenario to come in as a young player versus a Mainu who's being lauded as like the saviour of United's midfield and someone who's got to carry this club up on his shoulders at the age of 18, 19, which is a huge, huge load to bear. And we've seen with United fans historically, they love hyping up youngsters like they're the next saviour. I'm a United fan. I've seen it. I've grown up my whole life looking at this, like Giuseppe Rossi and... Uh, like Kiko Makeda, Adnan Yanuzai, like we've always like properly just hyped up any player coming through. And I'm not saying Mainu is going to be overrated by any stretch of the imagination, but just because a young kid has had a good start to his career doesn't mean he's going to be able to sustain it. Doesn't mean that we need to man not manage his minutes and just play him every game. You, you've got to be smart. Like obviously there'll be some games where he is, he, we need him. We absolutely need him. He needs to play because there's no other um, options United have. And then there's other games where you just need to be smart about it and just be like, no, he needs to rest his legs because he's played He's played on Saturday full 90 minutes. It looks like he might be jaded for this particular game. But you've just got to take it on a case-by-case -case basis, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on that. I'm delighted someone uh, protects <laughs> me out here. Um, I think my general thought on it is pretty, pretty similar to what you said. I also just think there's a lot of failed academy players because of how they're mismanaged. Um, and Stefan Bajcetic, who Liverpool threw in last season when they were absolutely desperate, is now has now missed most of this season because of an adductor injury, which often can uh, come from being overplayed or overtrained or, or playing too much in a very quick sequence. Now, I'm not I, I'm not denying that Mainu is talented. I obviously haven't watched every single game he's played. I've watched the three he's played in the Premier League. Um, but my my gripe with it is. United are not in a good situation. And everyone pre-game said United would get battered. And if United get battered, he's not going to look good. <laughs> so, uh, Lewis Miley, like, he's doing very well at Newcastle, like you just said, because they're doing, like, they're, there's no pressure on them. No one's watching them every everything they do. I, like, when I was watching Miley, I was literally on Twitter in the first 10 minutes, refreshing the timeline, and people were going, he should be sent off for that first tackle. Then something else happened. We were like, what a player. And then something else happened. And I was like, this is the problem. Like, when you're at Manchester United, like, if he went and got sent off for the second tackle that ended up being a yellow, 
like who knows what could happen with his career. Like Makeda, I, I, I will not forget that goal he scored. And I, I was one of the people who was going, this kid's going to be Martial, exactly the same. Like some of these guys are just completely flopped because they're playing, playing for one of the most pressurized clubs in the world. It's like going to Real Madrid. Like Jude Bellingham's murdering it now. But so many players have gone to Madrid and it's become a graveyard for them immediately because of pressure and all the other Yeah, but imagine so, if um, Jude went to Real Madrid straight from Birmingham City. It might be a different story. Right. Yeah. So like that's what people need to realise. Like Jude's had to have same with Erling Haaland. They've had to go to Dortmund where the pressure was less almost as like a training experience to learn their football away from the pressure of a Real Madrid where every single result means something versus at a Dortmund. It's not the same level of pressure, let's just be real. Whereas at Man United, also, I think yeah. the other thing as well is there's a lot of uh, talk about him being brilliant at academy level. Like, I don't think that well means be... anything, honestly. Like, yeah, people like, wait. Like, it's... I'll give you an example. Like, my, my own daughter, right? Like she's she's five years old and she's in a five to eight <laughs> training. Uh, like she does football training. And the first four weeks she went there, she scored literally four goals every match because she was because they split the groups up. So the five to six year olds were playing together and the six to eight year olds were playing. So she was killing it. Then there was like the winter period kicked in and the girls that she was normally playing with they didn't turn up. So she's put in this group where there's eight-year-old boys. She's a five-year-old girl and she's playing against eight-year-old boys. She barely got a touch of the ball for the past three weeks. Like she'd put in tackles here and there, but barely touched the ball. Now she's been, finally, those younger ones that she played with came back, but her confidence was shot. Like she just wasn't the same player because she's now a bit scared to go into challenges because when she went in, these eight-year-old boys just sending her flying. So I've seen that in real life now, just with my own daughter, seeing how like, if you just jump up a level, like it can really affect your confidence levels for these young players. And you've got to be really careful because their confidence is really fragile. So so I totally get why you were concerned. And yeah, you've been proven wrong in the sense that, oh, he's played well. But that doesn't mean your general principle, the point of view was wrong. Like it's a justified point of view. If anything, 90% of the time you'd be right. It's just on this occasion, it just happens to be you were wrong. Generational talent. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. I don't mean main. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I genuinely wish him the most success. He's a young footballer. I don't care that he plays for Man U. He could play for any team in the world, and I wish the best for him. He's a young kid um, who is clearly shown that he's talented. Um, so, fair play. And also to your daughter. CK, very quickly, we're not coaches, but what, what advice are you giving to Rice to give to his daughter here? <laughs> Man, that's a that's a tough one, you know. You just got to sometimes you got to when you're adjusting to a new level, you know, you just got to keep your head down, keep working, control the things that you can control. You know, you can't you're not going to be able to, you know, compete or have the the athleticism or the 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 physicality of an 8-year-old boy as a 5-year-old girl, but you know, you can control your work ethic. You can control, you know, your 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 positional awareness unlike scott mctominay to bring it back <laughs> you know just control the things that you can control you know fabulous um this insight episode has gone a little bit left um, but if you enjoyed the leftness and we're not lefties in this in this chat but if you enjoyed the leftness of this conversation then let us know um of course as always follow the pod follow the guys if you enjoy this episode of the insight uh, then let us know by leaving a comment, which you can do on Spotify or reach out to us on socials at No Ratings Pod. Uh, thank you very much for your time, boys. 
Uh, I know, I mean, I said before this is going to be a 15-minute record and somehow we've managed to stretch it to nearly 30 minutes. So shout out you guys, you've done a job. Um, We'll see you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.